you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. rendition of Take Me to the Alley. You know, that song was originally, I heard that a while back, by a singer by the name of Gregory Porter. You know, he sings blues and jazz and gospel and soul. He kind of does it all. And actually, I think he was born in Sacramento. But the song is about our collective energy using to help those who may be downtrodden. Those individuals who might be going through tough times in their life. And that song was inspired by the singer's mother. And what she would do, she would get food and shelter to those who were without food, those who were houseless. And what she would do, she would drive through the streets looking for people who were in trouble in their life and may have needed a helping hand. And thus, the title of the song, Take Me to the Alley. You know, I believe Gregory Porter's mother lived by a philosophy that I've heard about from time to time that says that we all do better when we all do better. Because spiritually, we're all interconnected on a a soul level. And Gregory Porter's mom was spiritually rich. She was spiritually prosperous. And this month, we've been talking about this theme called spiritual prosperity. And I was rereading some of the work of Charles Film, the co-founder of Unity, And he wrote in his book, Prosperity, which is a very dense book. But he shocked people who, of the religious ilk during that day, probably shocked a few people even today if they were to read this, because I know it shocked me when I first read it, because I said to myself, man, Charles Fillmore, he's a spiritual gangster. (laughs) He said that it is a sin to be poor. When I said that, when I read that, I said, wait, 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 that sounds kind of harsh. But understand, he wasn't talking about any kind of transgressions that people get involved in. He was not talking about any kind of moral violations. What he was saying is that we were frustrating our potential. You know, oftentimes when we hear that word, it's triggering for folks. But sin simply means that 
A person missed the mark. It's an old archery term. And, you know, we saw the video. We saw the, the, the young lady pulling the, the arrow toward the, 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 the target. And so if you miss the target, you know, you sin, you are off balance. So it's really saying that we just didn't know. We made some mistakes. We were ignorant at that particular time in our life. And therefore, we put ourselves out of alignment with the consciousness of pure spirit, and we're stopping the flow of the infinite abundance that is always there for us to be expressed in and as our life. So as I said, I think the first week that spiritual prosperity is not about materiality. It includes that. I always say there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not about materialism only. It's about the idea of having purpose in life. It's about the idea of being health and whole in life. Having the idea of being in right and perfect relationships in all levels of our life. It's about the idea of love and happiness. As I was singing Al Green, a very poor imitation of Al Green. Because you probably know, and I've known people over time that are materially rich. I mean, they got it all, it would seem like, but they're still poor. So any discussion around genuine abundance fails unless it goes beyond materialism and it encompasses motive and purpose. And it's unless it encompasses why we do what we do, the role of giving, the role of circulation, as well as the power of appreciation. So I believe to elevate our own spiritual prosperity, I'm looking at this topic of the day, which is consecrate Circulate and appreciate. Well, consecration, what is that all about? It really means to make something sacred. To dedicate our service to something greater than ourselves. And I believe that our day should always begin with an act of consecration or simply aligning our thoughts with the qualities of God, such as oneness, which is foundational to our teachings. It's like recognizing that idea that we all do better when we all do better. I had a friend of mine who's an engineer. She's a retired engineer, but she worked for many years with, I think, Boeing. And she was a native, or is a native, of uh, Vietnam. And a couple of years ago, she had called me up because she wanted some tips on public speaking to help her with her work because, you know, English was not her original language, and we connected and I hadn't heard from her in a while, but she called me last week. And she wanted some tips and suggestions about an interview that she was about to do. And there's a program of, where people interview other folks called StoryCorps. And it's about the time when people interview others to get stories about their life. And their stories are archived in the Library of Congress. And many of them are actually played on national public radio from time to time. So she was going to interview a man who, at this time, he was, he was in his 80s. But at one time, he was a logistical engineer in the Navy. And she wanted to interview him because that man had helped her family and many other people escape the war zone of Vietnam over 45 years ago. And this gentleman, Chuck, was a the, the coordinator and the evacuator of the civilians. And eventually he worked with my friend's father, who happened to be a member of the Vietnam military, the South Vietnamese military. 
And so he was telling his story of the evacuation that took place and, you know, how he got there and kind of the happenstance, the serendipities that put him in that position. And as he was telling the story and she was asking the questions, there were lots of turns and twists and close calls and you know, where he talked about the time in the dead of night, he had to commandeer a truck in order to help a whole bunch of children out of harm's way. And another time he looked at his bus that when he arrived where he was, he noticed that it was riddled with a whole bunch of bullets. He didn't even know how they got there without a scratch. And then he talked about the time that he was doing the last evacuation that he left the child behind and he went back to get the child and the plane was taken off because they were being shot at. And, and I just have this vision in my mind. He's being grabbed as he's trying to pull himself up into the cargo plane as they move away. And in the background is all the fire and explosions taking place as he's getting away. And I'm thinking, man, you need to make this into a movie. This is like James Bond and, and Mission Impossible all rolled into one. And they talked about in the interview that when my friend's family did not have a home, that Chuck took them into his home, even though his resources were limited and they had five people in that family. And he kept them until their father was able to leave Vietnam himself. And Chuck talked about the idea that, you know, as an engineer, as an individual in the Navy, he lived by the book. I mean, he did everything straight and narrow by the book. He followed all the rules, but as he go, went through this process, he said he began to circumvent and skirt some of the rules in order to shelter that family and to help those other people. And he, he was asked, why did you do this? You know, this was something that he didn't have to do. He volunteered. He said he risked his life and did all these things to take in that family and took in the, on that financial burden because they're all children of God, he said. And he said that when anyone suffers, we all suffer. I guess his way of saying that we all do better when we all do better. And my friend wanted to do the interview because in her mind, he was an unsung hero, never got any public recognition. And Chuck went on to say toward the end of the interview that Going through that process, it changed him. It brought out his compassion. It brought out his humanity. And he said, you know, I became a better person. I became a richer person. I became a fuller person as a result of this experience. And he was not talking about anything material. His prosperity, his spiritual prosperity came about because he was making his life sacred for a principle, for an idea, for oneness, a quality of God. And of course, the story didn't end there about, you know, today, or I think last year, my, my friend said that she went back to Vietnam. And she created five scholarships for students who needed the money to continue on with their education. And the five scholarships represented the five people in her family that he kept until they were reunited with their father. And she named that scholarship after him. So Chuck's actions were not limited to those people right there, to what he was doing for them at that moment. It was a legacy that lived on many years later and impacted people in a positive way. He consecrated his life to something greater. He was spiritually prosperous. 
And I believe our life always begins, ought to begin with an act of consecration. And we want to say to ourselves, this life indeed is the life of God. This life is indeed the life of the divine and perfect spiritual intelligence and joy and wisdom. We want to say, I dedicate this life to the allness of the spirit. And if we do that on a regular basis, we'll find our thoughts and our way of being come into alignment with that of a quality of the God presence, the quality of the force itself. And we become spiritually prosperous because we consecrated some aspect of our life to the life of God, to a God idea. So consecration, making something sacred, elevates and activates the spiritual prosperity within us. In the same vein, there's the idea of circulation. Like I said, some people think that prosperity is about getting what, you know, getting things or how to get you know, we see a lot of workshop seminars that focuses on that. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. I said, everybody ought to get rich in some way, shape, or form. We need a lot of money to transform the world. But any assessment of genuine prosperity fails unless it includes how and why we give and includes the notion that circulation is a part of the process. And circulation simply means we move something through a circuit. It comes back to a starting point. There's a scriptural reference from Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter in the first verse. that said, cast your bread upon the waters. In a short time, it will return unto you. So we can ask ourselves, what bread have I cast on the waters lately? What have I been circulating lately? People say, so, you know, my good is not coming to me. Nothing's happening. What's going on? Well, we must ask, what have you circulated lately? What bread, bread have you cast upon the waters? Because we only get back what we cast upon the waters and nothing else. People sometimes try to get other people's bread. They're trying to cast, you know, and pull in other people's bread, but we only get the bread that we cast upon the waters. That's what circulation is about. You know, metaphysically, if you look at these stories, bread represented substance or infinite substance, the invisible something that is everywhere. We talked about that first week. Just as a side, I remember when I was young, I used to hear my dad say to kind of his buddies, you got any bread? I didn't realize that was a biblical origin when he was saying that. <laughs> and then water, of course, represents infinite possibilities, infinite potential that's always there. And we're here to cast our bread upon this infinite possibility. And what we do to get there is to find a way to be a giver. Because what we cast upon the waters really returns to us multiplied. The reality is if we don't cast any bread, we don't get any bread. If we don't cast any love, we don't receive any love. If we don't cast any emanation of peace, we don't receive any emanation of peace. It's a universal law that everything comes back to its starting point. Understand, God circulated an idea called you and me. Everything that's circulated returns to its starting point. And because we're made in the image and likeness of out of God itself, we have our free will. We can cast it or not cast it. But whatever we cast out begins to come back. So we want to give our time. We want to give our talent. We want to give our substance. 
We begin to share ourselves, to release ourselves, no longer buying into the false concept, that prosperity thinking that says it's limited to what's material, to what's visible. We want to leap into the invisibility and watch out of seemingly no thing, everything needs we need begins to show up. We put that to the test. I think Chuck, in his example, you know, gave and he benefited. He transformed. But he also, that giving, that circulation has come back to benefit a greater number of people. So we must understand that we're either circulating or stagnating. When people ask, why is my life stagnating? What have we placed upon the waters lately? Where have we withheld a kind word? Where have we withheld any compassion? Where have we withheld any forgiveness? Where have we withheld anything that needs to be contributed to our world? Where we closed off our heart and we started believing in lack and limitation, started holding back. We cast our bread upon the waters and it returns to us. And we don't try to get anybody else's bread. So we begin with consecration, making it sacred. And then the second thing, we begin to engage in circulation, sending out those positive things into the world, knowing that not only do we benefit, but it benefits the society in which we live. And then there's appreciation. Appreciation to help us elevate our spiritual abundance and prosperity. You know, in Matthew, the sixth chapter, 26 verse, it says, we are to let our eye be single, which means that we're here to be focused be focused, so to speak. We know that what we focus on, what we appreciate, increases, becomes more, multiplies more than what we can imagine. More than the interest that we get for money in the bank, which is not really hard to do because it ain't that much. <laughs> but as we appreciate the powers of God, the qualities of God in our life, those qualities are amplified, multiplied beyond our imagination. I remember a few years ago when my son was going into the ninth grade. Can't believe now he's about to graduate from college, but he was going to the ninth grade. And we went to the parent-teacher night, and we were talking to the different teachers in the school. And we went to the math teacher who was teaching, I think, uh, geometry at the time. And she said that I know that some students don't think they're good at math. And my job is to make them feel good about math. She said that everyone is good at something. Some people are good at art. Some people are good at music. Some people are good at just networking. Some people are good at, 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 at a lot of different things. And he said, you know, what you're good at is kind of like a rubber band in your brain. If you're good at something, then that rubber band is big. And, and, and if, you, if you, you expand upon it, when you begin to do more in that area, that rubber band expands. But every student in there, no matter what they think their ability is, she says, has something that they do well in math. There's something that they understand. And my job is to find whatever that is and appreciate it, focus on it. And then that rubber band begins to expand in their own mind. It's a great example of the power of appreciation. In our own life, we want to examine what we're thinking, what we're looking for in our life, what we're looking for, what we're focusing on in other people. What are we interested in? Because whether it's something we want 
or something we do not want. Whatever we see or don't see, whether in ourselves and others, we become aware of it with our attention and it begins to become more and more of our experience. You know, it's been discovered that organizations work at their best when they focus on their strengths, when they focus on their success, when they focus on their values and their hopes and their dreams, rather than the problems that may be existing. They focus and affirm and appreciate what they have that's working well. You know, this came out of the work of psychologist Abraham Maslow that most of us are aware of. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and one of the things that he came up with during his day is that he recognized something that transformed the psychological viewpoint of his day. He said by examining self-actualized people, he examined what worked, and he examined health rather than pathology, and he brought a revolutionized approach to psychology during his time. And this is the quest for ourselves. To wake up with joyful enthusiasm, appreciating what's working, beginning with any small thing that might be there. You know, when I go through my own lack, limitations, not enoughness, not good enough, and I'm not really feeling in tune with the infinite, and I need to kind of break out of that, my recommendation is just, you know, take a small mirror, breathe into it, and if it fogs up, something is working. Something is working. Start there, then build up from that point. Because we know that energy flows where our attention goes. Knowing what that happens, we begin to amplify what we give our attention to. And we can elevate our own spiritual abundance in every area of our life. So anyways, I close out this theme of the month of spiritual abundance, spiritual prosperity. As well as today's topic, we know it comes down to our spiritual dedication and focus. So we spiritually dedicate ourselves to something greater than ourselves. I look at that story of Chuck who recognized the oneness of who and what we are. He engaged in a purpose bigger than himself. The same thing with Gregory Porter's mother who engaged in something bigger than herself. Knowing that we all do better when we all do better. And then we talked about circulation and spending spiritual qualities, knowing that they come back to us. And we want to spend spiritual qualities and put those in circulation so the contagion of peace and love sweeps across the very planet in which we are living. And then we appreciate. We appreciate every single day, recognizing as that old saying goes, this is the day that the Lord has made the great law of life commanding us to rejoice in it, commanding us to appreciate it, to have our eyes single so that we let that light so shine within us that others that may be in a low vibration, when they become around us, they will drop their tools and follow us to the ever-expanding good. But those who are in doubt, they will drop their tools and they will follow us to where we got our spiritual food. So in our own life, when doubt comes up, when fear comes up, that we're so rooted in the power, our eye is so single, our body and our body of affairs called our life become full of life. And we know that all these lower vibration things, they've simply come to pass. 
And we'll become like the great, wonderful ushers that we are. We'll simply let those things go. When they come up into our life, we'll say, oh, I know you. You're that doubt. You have come to pass. Oh, I know you. You're that human fear thought. You have come to pass. Oh, I know you. You know that sense of separation and limitation and lack and judgmentalism and overly being critical. Oh, you have come to pass. We become the great ushers through which the power of our focus and our appreciation because to usher out doubt and usher in the power, the presence, and the love of pure spirit so we can be the highest and best that we are meant to be. This is who we are. This is why we are here. And when we do, we activate, we elevate that spiritual prosperity that we are all here to receive for it's God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And so it is, and so we let it be. Amen. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Ha uh-huh.